Are you tired of the music in your gym? Do your workouts bring the right energy, but you've got dead spots in your playlist that just don't match up? I know exactly what you're talking about. Every trainer loves bumping M&Ms till I collapse. But no trainer or client wants to hear that 28-second slow tempo buildup that comes with that amazing song. That's the problem with playlists. You have to go through an entire song just to get to the next one. That's why DJ mixes are perfect alternative for working out when compared to a playlist. They mix the hype part of the music together when you need it to bring the energy. And then they can drop the beat down low and chill for when you're hitting the cooldown stretch or even in between an intense interval. You now can have a DJ inside of your gym every damn day with Reflex Radio. Reflex Radio provides trainers and gyms the ability to make every workout an experience with curated mixes synced to match the intensity of their planned workout. It's simple. You design your workout inside of their software. You then assign a flex level to each part of the workout. You can make it chill during the warmups and then let it slap and hit hard when your members need it the most. You choose the genres that you want mixed in and boom, you've got a custom DJ mix that fits your class flow perfectly. Guys, if you have not already registered for a two-week trial of Reflex Radio, head on over to reflexradio.com. That's reflex radio. Dot com and you can sign up for a two-week free trial. Please, your members deserve it. Your music experience deserves it. Head on over to reflex-radio.com and get signed up for your free two-week trial. Let's do this. What is up, guys? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And I've got Isaac Lewis on, and you, you may, maybe that name doesn't ring a bell for you, but I think Isaac and a lot of people uh, that I've been interviewing on here are going to be names you're going to recognize in the future because they are leading the charge. And what I've been saying for years now is the equipment revolution that's coming. The fitness equipment now looks like my mom's fucking Nokia cell phone from 1994. Like if you looked at it now, you'd be like, there's no way people held these 12 inch long fucking black bricks to their head. But we did. We fucking did. And I look at the fitness equipment scene now is it's too big. It's too bulky. It's wasteful. It's too expensive. It takes up space in a square footage world that commercial real estate is too expensive. And then luckily there's people like Isaac showing up. So Isaac, do me a favor, man. If you would give everyone the, you know, the two minute wrap as to how you became an equipment manufacturer and designer. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the, the two minute version here real quick. So, well, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Excited to be here and, and right away. So we are anchor and what we make is a compact and portable cable machines to really taking the, the benefits that you get out of the, the versatility of a cable machine and making it way more accessible, hitting on the things you mentioned, like, like space saving, you know, affordability, adaptability is really what we do. But it came into the space. I played baseball in college. I had a really bad shoulder injury, dislocated my shoulder, needed reconstructive surgery. And, and for me, making, the, making a comeback uh, to play my senior year, the biggest thing once I had mobility back was the functional trainer was, was just, it was a ton of it in my programming. Um, and it was great, easy on your joints. You can use it in so many different planes, dialing up the resistance. Um, but the problem was, you know, even in like a varsity room, maybe there's one or maybe two. So it was like, Hey, can we take those benefits and make it way more accessible on the points, space saving costs and, and adaptability. So 
that's, you know, what we did. And, and I came out of school and I actually went to uh, Babson College for, for graduate school where, where I met my co-founder, who was the engineer behind the product. He was a mechanical engineer. So it was kind of my idea, his designs. And, and he had the same shoulder injury actually from, from mountain biking. Um, he was more on the extreme sports side. So we had put that together and started to make some, some prototypes. And, and, you know, there's definitely some in between that and, and where we are now, but that was the, uh, the very early start of how we got into fitness equipment. Um, so, you know, I hope that, uh, kind of gave you the very quick version there to, to boil it down. Yeah, no, it does. And so I look at, there's a lot, you know, I, I come from the early days of functional fitness where it really hit the scene and, and we're mainly speaking CrossFit, uh, opened up that the floodgates of functional fitness at scale, right. Um, 16,000 CrossFit affiliates across the world. Um, more that's more than any other fitness franchise or license model. You, even if you added up all the Gold's Gym and Planet Fitnesses and F45s, it wouldn't add up to 16,000. So when that explosion of those micro gyms, as I call them, kind of came in, there was a, um, there was a, what do we call it? Like a walking away from traditional fitness mm-hmm. equipment. So like the cable crossover machine is an amazing fucking piece of equipment. The problem is, is that it, you see it, you think of a Globo gym and all these old boutique fitness and warehouse CrossFit gyms are popping up and they're the anti-Globo gym. So the equipment has to be anti. We have rubber bumper plates and kettlebells. The Globo gym is treadmills and cable crossover machines. Well, fast forward now, there's so many guys in the functional fitness space that preach, preach the benefits of pulleys and cable assisted machines but they're too big. The average micro gym, mom and pop gym owner can't afford them. And if they could, there's no way they'd be able to afford a facility large enough to have enough of these for a group class. Now, if anyone's not familiar with Anchor on here, you know, be Googling this, check it out. Don't do it while you're driving. But like, it's an impressively, impressively compact and strong as fuck um, piece of equipment. So Isaac sent me over a, an Anchor. And if you guys, anyone's listening to this, I recently just tore my, my left gastroc. So my, my workouts, have, I've been in a boot. My workouts have been looking kind of fucked up, a little bit more upper body than it normally would. But it gave me a great time to test out and play with Anchor. And I'm someone, I love diagonal pressing. I love a landmine press. I love these things. But uh, with the equipment I utilize in my gym, we can't do it. We don't have seven foot barbells. And if, I don't know if anyone's ever tried to do landmine work with a five foot barbell like we have, it doesn't work. Um, but this, you know, the anchor, I mounted it to a pole. I've got a warehouse with uprights and I mounted to that, this, these crazy, I couldn't believe how strong the Velcro strap was on this. Like the industrial grade strength. In, industrial grade. That's exactly what it is with that uh, aluminum plate on there. You I saw it. that. I was like, there's no fucking way this, this Velcro is going to hold. I told Deuce, I was like, this thing's, there's no way. <laughs> This, there's no, and sure enough, man, I, I put it through the ringer um, and it, it held. But anyway, so guys, you mount this and I'm going to let Isaac talk about it a little bit more, but I, what the thing that I was, you know, I got introduced to Isaac through Sean Pastuch and uh, I'm a big fan of operational capacity, but what I instantly saw that for a group model that really wanted to stand out. And a lot of us think of standing out as far as our unique belief in fitness, our methodology, and then the equipment we use, there's no one out there in any group fitness model using any kind of a cable pulley type machine in their workouts at scale. And I think Anchor could be that if somebody was really interested into those kind of movements. Isaac, would you talk to us a little bit, just the, for everyone listening that maybe hasn't you know, uh, Googled or taken a look at what this is, describe the product uh, and describe kind of, again, how you guys were thinking like space saving, like go all the things that went into it. 
Yeah, no, exactly. So our biggest thing that we said has to be there is the resistance experience. It's, it's got to be an experience where there's always tension in the cable at, at any point, and it needs to be um, set up so that, I mean, eccentric, concentric, you can do isometric work. That's like the core experience. And then it was to say, okay, how much can we boil that down from a footprint perspective and, and space saving aspect, realizing that, you know, what's at a premium for, for any, any gym, any facility, it's, it's the footprint and, and the value of square footage. And then on top of that is kind of your piggybacking adaptability, because even, even if it's a saving space, where are you going to put it? And if it's something that, I mean, you're going to be generating a lot of force off of it, it's got to be stable. It's got to be mounted somewhere. And then trying to take the barrier off of, you know, doing a, a permanent install. Um, that's why we have the portable options. We do have permanent, um, depending on your layout, but that was part of it adapting to do you have racks and rigs are you putting these up on the wall uh, do you have beams and pillars that you can utilize and then you know on the affordability side too what we really saw was uh it's a capacity issue and you hit on it right there with the the group classes even to say you know why aren't cables used on a greater scale you know we name space as one you know the affordability is is another huge one too and you put those together it makes no sense to have everyone programmed in where you've got a group session, you got one cable machine, maybe with two columns. Um, maybe you see two of those machines maximum and you're not gonna be able to do group classes, but that's something that we really want to enable from a capacity perspective to say, hey, you're able to have more quality equipment now without any impact on your footprint. And it's not gonna hit the price tag like the typical pulley machine is going to. So for us, you know, that's what we want to do. So what the product is to kind of go into the specs, you've got a base unit. If you check out our, our website, anchortraining.com um, and our anchor, we're A-N-C-O-R-E um, training. So if you were on there and you saw a picture of the unit, you'll see the, the base, which is really just the central housing. That's where you get the universal carabiner. So you can throw on any attachments that you have. And that's where the cable comes out of. That's a base resistance of, of five pounds. And then all you do to adjust the resistance is you twist on what we call resistance plates on either side of the product. We have five pound and 10 pound increments. And by simply twisting those on, it increases the amount of torque and tension on the cable. So you can go from that five pounds of base, you can load it up with six, 10 pound plates. And the max that we set is 65 pounds. And that is, you know, one-to-one -one resistance. So what you feel there is what you're going to get and that resistance mechanism it's it's a torque loaded spring mechanism that's our, our patent pending mechanism that we have set up and it you know most people say it kind of feels probably more similar to like a pneumatic system so you know you're able to move it at speed it's not going to slack out um, but also you can do the slower more controlled movements as well for for anything on the therapy side um, and then the last piece of the whole product is you I mean where you mount it you know so you mentioned it's going to go you know, with that we call rack mount, but it works on obviously squat racks, rigs, but you can put it on any round posts, beams. Uh, we customize that length too. Some people, hey, they have a massive pillar in the middle of their facility. No problem. You know, we can increase that length and, you know, our aspect to really, we want to remove the limits from, from people's spaces, from people's training. And, you know, we're going to do everything it takes to, to make sure that even our product can help adapt and really solve that problem. So we have a few other, like I said, permanent mounts. Those are ones you can put a sliding track on the wall. It's gonna sit an inch and a half off the wall and you'll get a, a six foot rail where you can just slide the product simply up and down. 
That's yeah, definitely a popular option. That's where but, I really see for the group model, something like yeah, that. Like you outline the walls. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So you guys, if you envision kind of having a track that would go along a wall, and again, you could have a masonry wall, like cement brick. I'm sure this would work too. You know, if it, it could go in the studs, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah. So it's yeah. designed for studs and anything, you know, any other wall backing you have. We've seen a lot of people like if you mount wood blocking to it, I mean, you would just, you know, mount it right to that, to that wood. So if you see a lot of people um, put it on different surfaces or even, you know, I've seen people, um, you know, whether it's, it is the metal studs, it is the masonry. I mean, you can definitely get it on there with the right anchors, obviously, you know, will will help support, but I mean, you do want to make sure you've got, uh, you know, handy personnel to, to make sure that everything's set up right. Yeah. Um, it's really impressive to me. So the second, you know, I really kind of got an idea. I'm like, man, 2020, this is kind of what it's going to be like when it kind of really hits. So like, I'd say like, um, May is kind of, you know, two months into it. I was like, okay, this, this is going to be a thing. Uh, everyone's going to buy the current equipment availability, which is dumbbells, barbells, rowers, fucking slam balls, all that. But what I, what I knew would happen is that it's going to force so much cash into the R&D market of creating new equipment. When I, I had Dan Vincent on, he owns uh, Monkey. And Monkey is essentially, think of really cool, really very nice, minimalist, tactical TRX straps. But in my opinion, much higher quality. They look better. Um, they're, they're phenomenal. He's got a bunch of different accessories with it. He's done three $1 million Kickstarters, which wow. I think is very unheard of. But for you guys, I, I, did you go to, did you go that route? Did you do a, a Kickstarter? Did how did you guys fund this? Was this just out of savings? Did you take investors? You, yeah. So everything right now, so it's, you know, myself, my co-founder, you I mean, we're the two partners in the business. We, we don't have any outside investors, um, you know, as part of the business right now, it, it's just the two of us and everything, you know, was, was initially out of the gate, self-funded out, out of savings, which really went into, you know, really just R and D of, you know, we got a, a 3d printer, which was like huge for us to get a 3d printer to start like testing, you know, different shapes and, and different compatibility mechanisms and really to just get something in front of different trainers and, and um, fitness enthusiasts to say, Hey, is this, is this going to, you know, make an impact. And the fact that we had excitement there kind of just, you know, trickled on to even being able to sell some early models and, and, you know, get a product out there early enough to, to start funding the rest of the business. Um, so right now, yeah, everything was self-funded um, out of the gate. And, and right now it is, you know, it's still us and, you know, we are a small business. We've got um, 12 employees now, which, you know, is definitely a, a big investment in us to have the internal design team now. So we brought on a couple mechanical engineers to speak to what you're talking about with the R&D, like for us, it's keeping up on, you know, making a, a better product because, I mean, there's always going to be that next tier. And, and, you know, once you get known, you know, someone else is going to follow suit with something similar. So for us, you know, we're definitely, you know, planning a, a few upgrades, what we've learned over the last year or so um, with the launch of this first product. But yeah, we had this, you know, first one in the pipeline pre, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, it wasn't really set to be necessarily even, um, you know, just, you know, the home kind of jumping in on that home gym surge. Um, we thought actually it was going to be a bigger home gym mix than it currently is, but I would say our big growth was actually in facilities for a lot of the reasons, you know, we're talking about, which was, you know, sort of a, a pleasant surprise for us to see that that's where it had the biggest impact. And it, and it really was the, the space saving. Like that was it to see, Hey, I can do 90% of what I would do on this machine that, you know, is multiples the cost and multiples the size, um, but just do it with this now. 
so for us, I mean, that was kind of um, really, I mean, how we got started was just simply testing it and saying, hey, we think this, you know, mechanism is going to work. People are responding to it really early. Um, but to be honest, too, like some of the, the help that we really had from a credibility standpoint was our work in professional sports. Like that was just, you know, incredibly fortunate for us. Um, the interest we had, especially in the NHL, like early on, um, we had really a product kind of trickled out from one of our early even beta testers that was doing a project with, with an NHL team and, you know, simply just like showed those coaches. And then we got a call from the New Jersey devils and they wanted it. And then a couple of the players wanted it for the, for their gyms. And then that's really, you mean, what got us started out of the gate um, to show, you know, people using the product and that, Hey, it really does work well in, in a professional setting with these high performing athletes. And, you know, obviously that trickles into any other performance facilities. So the business uh, you know, consulting side of my brain that says products and thing, anything that you are like, you know, everyone I talk to is probably, well, it's patent pending, right? Like that's like a big, and then it, you see the fucking lawsuits happen. like Rogue Fitness, the largest domestic equipment, you know, suppliers in the world. I mean, they've got a location over in the UK too. I'm sure that's huge. They, they have the means to replicate anything you put to market and make enough tweaks that would probably bypass the patent law issue. So for they did it, it was a, there was a company that went on Shark Tank. They had the foldable uh, squat rack. I think it was like PRX or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you got it. And so they did that. And, you know, Rogue went ahead and copied that same thing. And there was a lawsuit and they had a patent pending. And guess what? Rogue still has theirs. Uh, again, training fast, again, faster has like there's 17 versions of that. So that proprietary piece of equipment instantly, if it gets caught on to, let me ask you, how do you think about that from a vulnerability standpoint with your business? Yeah, it's, it's something that, you I mean, cro crosses your mind, definitely. I mean, as, as a, as a business leader and the biggest thing was to say, Hey, our, our core competency, you know, as a business is anchor is really R and D and, and innovation. And that's what we had to invest in. So that's why our engineering, you know, had to be in house. So, you know, we need to invest in the people and, and the brain power to, to make that happen. So that was you know, why early on as a small business, our investment was, Hey, bring in the rest of the engineering team to be able to develop the next product. So you know, to teaser out there, we have a, a next-gen product that we'll be launching toward the end of this year. Um, we also have a few other accessories and new mounts that will kind of be rounding out the experience um, that you've, you know, gotten so far. Um, because for us, even, you know, thinking if we were a large or VC-backed company, I mean, you have the means to start getting into these, you know, patent and, and IP litigations. I mean, we, we just, you know, one, we don't have the, you know, the means to, to do that, nor even if we did, um, you know, you're still fighting that, that battle. And at the end of the day, what's going to drive you forward is, is the better product. And, and you mean, that's what we truly believe in. And that's what we're going to strive for that. You know, the only way to stay ahead is to, to continue to improve on the last ones. And, you know, eventually too, we got some ideas of how we could use a similar mechanism to expand the product line too. Um, but it's all going to be, Hey, you know, us making the efforts to, to make a better product at the end of the day. And, having the best idea and the best execution win. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of things I, I didn't say when you were that I, I made a note here. Uh, you mentioned, again, each one of the, the anchors uh, provides 65 pounds of resistance. And in my head, I hear 65 pounds. I'm like, I don't know. Is that, is that a lot of resistance? I don't know. I don't fuck with cable machines that often to know whether 65 pounds is a lot of resistance. And I'm thinking back to my Globo Gym days. And for anyone listening, it's fucking plenty 
of resistance. It is, it is, I mean, and I love the way you guys have created the, the spinoff caps that essentially take it up and down in weight slash resistance. When you guys are building this out and you're thinking of, you were, you originally thought it was going to go for the home gym market, which I think it could probably, it'll probably still hit. I mean, everything that's popular in the home gym market started in the commercial market. So that's kind of just how that trends anyway, for the most part, um, you know, take out Peloton and things like that. But most equipment that people want at their home is the equipment they've learned to use or love at a group fitness class or at the gym. So um, I, I truly think you guys will pick up in that home, home market garage gym sector once the commercial market adopts the product at, at a higher scale. But when you guys were thinking about this, is this something that becomes like, uh, you know, like I'm going to use Rogue again, Rogue Fitness's squat racks are essentially like transformers. I mean, you could attach fucking everything to them. Now you add this, you add that, and you're just kind of building upon it. Is that how you kind of view this as like an ability to daisy chain other products to that track wall? And, and eventually is that kind of what you were just talking about? Is that in that direction? Yeah, you, you got it. it, it exactly that. It's really, I mean, a couple of things. One is you're trying to make, you know, the product ubiquitous is, is creating more adaptations, more mount options so that if right now it's human really designed for, you know, a squat rack, you know, we can make even specific squat rack attachments, or we can get, make certain things for other products. There's other stands and other equipment companies that we're definitely collabing with now. And, and to look at, Hey, what are more ways to just make a more optimal and, and tailor-made design for a certain company? And then it provides an additional value add to say, Hey, there's a specific you know, rack attachment or, or equipment attachment for this other company's piece. And to show, I mean, that it, it we work in a complementary fashion, you know what I mean? There's, there's not, um, you know, a, I guess, crossover competitive nature to it because it's, you know, we're really just joining to enhance and elevate the experience of other products. So for us, there's that capability. And what really drives that is the modularity of the product that the different mount options we have, they all work with the same, mount interface so you could take it off of the wall mount or the track mount that's permanently installed and you could mount it to the rack mount the portable solutions that it has the same product interface so for us that modularity was really important and even on you know you mentioned on, on twisting on the resistance plates on either side that hey do we want to change and make a, a 20 pound plate instead of just the tens and fives or do we want to lower one down for more of the rehab function, you know, building some of those capabilities out down the road was huge. And then from a servicing perspective too, if like there was ever a problem, you know, I mean, the whole system's not going to go out. I mean, it is a modular system. So everything has so much more adaptability and easier for us to phase in future products um, with the notion that, hey, you don't have to replace everything. I mean, as we update one thing at a time, I mean, you can phase in newer and better versions to things as we learn and, and continue to get better. How many units have you guys sold to date? So a, a lot of that information we, we haven't been able to, to put out as a, as a private company right now. It is in the thousands. Okay. Um, I, I can say that um, beyond that, unfortunately, right now, I, I can't put any of the specific numbers out, sure. but it is a few thousand units. Fair enough. And from a business perspective, I'd be, I know obviously you guys um, I don't know if you, you didn't take any outside funding. So did you start, are you guys 
do you have debt? Are you profitable currently? I know you just got 12 employees and generally I, you know, I try coaching people that typically in a business is growing, you can't really grow the business and grow the profit margin simultaneously because as you're growing that business in startup phase, you're pretty much every quarter adding massive expenses in the, you know, systems, offices, employees, all that stuff. Yeah, no, you, you know it uh, very well there. So, I mean, at, at the start, it took us, you know, a while before you know, any revenue was, was even coming in that we were actually selling the product. So, I mean, at, at the start, it, it's all the, the free labor of myself, my, my founder, and then even our first uh, team member, you know, kind of taking the, the stance of, hey, the, the future growth of the company early on. Um, and the initial just savings we had was was funding just pure product development, 3D print material, the 3D printer. And then we were able to get, you know, one loan um, to really, I mean, just give us the capital to, to build the tooling. And then everything else, like we've never put any paid ads out. We're 100% word of mouth and, and just referral right now. So from a lean perspective, like we've tried to keep the overhead as, as low as possible, but with having you know, and, and being able to provide jobs, which is incredibly meaningful for us to, to have that team. That's where everything that we make is back into the business. Like, you know, we've never taken a, a dollar out of the company, you know, myself and, and my founder, you know, we're, you know, not getting paid um, really, you know, anything at all. So to, to really offset some of those costs early on that, hey, we believe in the business to, to try to keep those costs down. So, you know, we had to, you know, raise a little bit of debt because we really did want to, you know, keep ownership of the company early on. It definitely was important to us and, and our hearts were really in it. Um, so we were able to get, you know, a loan to really get things going on, on the tooling and production side and, and to kind of buy that, that first set of inventory. And then everything else on top of that has been um, purely through, through the revenue. So we've been fortunate enough to, you know, be able to execute a, a launch where, you know, we had a shorter pre-order period that was really just run through our own website. And, and once again, word of mouth and kind of the early, you know, pro sports interest really helped drive some of that just initial cash flow. Um, and everything since has been revenue. So we certainly, you know, it's, it's trying to run a tight ship, but at the same time, you know, recognizing that, you know, we're going to spend money to make sure customers are having a good experience. And, you know, whenever there is a problem, you know, our ethos is that, hey, we're just, you know, we're going to make it right. I mean, it's, it's so early in our business that, you know, we need to build the trust. We need to build the relationships. Um, so those things, you know, are things that, you know, we just can't skimp on at all. Um, but in, in most regards, we definitely are trying to be as, uh, as efficient as possible, um, to say the least. For marketing for a startup, right? That's generally the one budget you're hoping the product is remarkable enough that you don't have to spend a ton of money on ads and marketing and engagement videos and all this other stuff. What have you found as a startup has been the best guerrilla marketing for you? Has it been like CGC, consumer generated content, like just getting in the hands of customers and whatever, and then them posting about it? What have you seen has been a spark? Obviously, you had a few sports teams, and I don't know whether there's any kind of virality around their social media, them using it, tagging you guys, that kind of thing. But what has been the best guerrilla marketing for a startup that probably doesn't have a super fat advertising budget? Yeah, it was the, the user-generated content. That was, that was huge, that unprompted. We had people that early on, they bought the product and they loved it. And they were also, you know, one of the first people to have it and them making posts online. And, and we had a couple individuals too, um, like one notable one, a lot of people you know, recognize who, 
who posted about the product and, and he was just a customer's artist. He, he bought the product and he really liked it. And he, you know, it was Mike Boyle. Um, oh, yeah. And you know, he has an incredible following. Yeah. And you mean that definitely you mean drove, you know, a lot of people to, to learn about us. And you mean that was something where people, you know, thought we were affiliated with him. And it was simply, I mean, he, he, he bought the product and, and really liked it and had an application for it. And he's someone who has a following and, you know, a lot of people respect his work to say, well, you know, he probably wouldn't have posted that if it wasn't real and, and you mean, wasn't something he was actually using. So, and we had a few, you know, a few other, those different, you know, coaches, I would say are probably some of the biggest really drivers for us, um, whether they were with sports teams, like we had a couple of uh, the coaches, a lot of times there's like tough stuff with the, the teams because of legal implications of, you know, because we're not an actual sponsor, because we, we didn't put any money toward being an official sponsor with any of the, the pro teams. So, you know, everything would be done unaffiliated um, or just kind of off the cuff word of mouth that, you know, whether the coaches post on their personal accounts and things like that, um, I would say has been the biggest ROI for us. But when I look back at it and reflect, it was really that they, they love the product. That, that's what it was, because I, I think if the product wasn't a hit, you know, we wouldn't have been able to get any of those individuals to post, especially unprompted in the authentic nature that they did. That worked so well because of the way it was. Um, it, it was it was because of the product. So you mean that, you know, we were very fortunate with. Who handles your social media currently? So that would be, um, we have our first hire. So um, he was actually uh, one of the guys, the first guy I met at graduate school. Um, he was a, a classmate of mine um, in the class with my co-founder when we started the business and he came from, you know, a, a marketing and journalism background. And he was the guy early on before, you know, we had any budget and just started, you know, for, for free as, you know, really good friend helping us out with the social media, setting up the Instagram, setting up the website. Um, and now, you know, he's responsible and, and builds out the, the rest of kind of our media strategy, which, you know, he definitely doesn't have a, uh, a budget to work with. Um, so it's, you know, something where, you know, we still try to, you know, leverage as, as much help as we can get. And it's, and it's all, you know, from the customers, which, you know, we're certainly grateful for. Um, yeah. But that's, that's who runs you know, our, our, our social and, and any of the media for us. So I, you know, it's interesting when I, I'm talking with founders um, and operators of startups, you know, everything's very exciting in the beginning, right? Because it's all new and there's growth. I mean, it's just like, I mean, there's, it's, it's awesome. It's just like anyone listening to this who, when they open their, their gym, right? Those first hundred members, 150 members, it, you know, it flies by. What's the going to be the first milestone for you guys? Like not the, ah, we've made it. Because like right now you guys are doing the humble founder thing. You're not taking a salary. You're putting everything, reinvesting it back into the business. Do you have a full-time job elsewhere? Um, I, I used to. So um, very, very recently I was uh, able to, to switch over. And, and a lot of that was driven by just, it was impossible to uh, keep up. And the fact that, you I mean, I can just have, you know, some money to offset, you know, just living expenses. That's, that's sure. simply it. What, um, we take out it, but yeah, until about, I think it was like two and a half months ago, I, I had a full-time job up and through the, uh, the entire business. Cool. So what will be the first milestone for you guys? Is it, no, I mean, I know you can't talk about the numbers of what you're doing, but I'm, I guess you could tell me what you, what the goal is. Like, what would be the first milestone where you guys, you know, go have a nice celebratory dinner and you're like, holy fuck, we're actually gonna get to pay ourselves now. 
Well, you know, recently, even actually just uh, yesterday, we, we had a, a small, you know, just reflect a celebration on uh, it was our it was our just about our two year anniversary. So even just, you know, seeing that milestone of where we were from, you know, starting the business, the year one, what it looked like, it was just three of us. And now that we have 12 people, you know, that, that was a you know a milestone. And I'd say there's there's a lot of maybe smaller or incremental milestones that, you know, we've looked at. There's certainly, you I mean, a bigger one for us to say that down the road, you don't need a cable machine. You know what I mean? To the point where, you I mean, we get the product to a point where, you know, if you're right now looking for a couple hundred pounds to, to lift with and you have some really strong clients or athletes, you need those heavy lap pull-downs or two-hand rows where you don't need it. That, you know, we are completely, you know what I mean, um, equal or greater than a machine that's, you know, 10 times the size and, you know, multiples of the cost to say that, you mean, this is what you need that exactly to the, to your point of, I mean, looking at history of like where products came from, you know, heavy commercial uses, or you mean the phones to things that you just wouldn't even think of it the other way, you know, that's where we want to go. We want to, you mean, take all the limitations off that. And then there's a couple, you mean, other products that we're looking at to essentially do, do the same thing too. And, and for us, when, when people say, I don't even need the cable machine, I have the space and I have the budget and you don't need it. That's for us from, you know, the R and D that we really stand behind to say, Hey, that's, you know, pretty, pretty remarkable um, to say that you mean us as the small team and, and our group of, of guys and girls that we were able to do that. Um, that'll be probably the biggest thing to say, you know, we did something, you know, profound um, really to the industry and, I think that's probably like the bigger, higher order goal for us um, to really, you know, serve um, the entire fitness industry with. That I love that, and it's, it reminds me a lot of like you know I would uh, I would do grand openings and facility layouts for global gyms, and you know I would see a budget for the cardio deck or the cardio floor, or wherever all the the treadmills and ellipticals and um, were. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for cardio equipment. And then there's companies, brilliant, brilliantly simple and effective companies like Concept2, right? $1,000 a pop, $1,000. When the average treadmill that we were purchasing at wholesale was costing us $4,500 to $5,000, maybe $6,000, you know, depending on how many bells and whistles it had. And and it always baffled me, even in 2008 and 9 and 10, when I was trying to tell these guys, like, what the fuck are we doing spending that amount of money and taking up that much square footage when we could have a rower? a bike and this thing called a skier and you can have an you can have an indoor like a, a motorless treadmill like an air runner for three grand like why are we doing this and it was like well this is just the way it's always been done that's how the proof of concept is it's a franchise we can't change it it was all these kind of things so i and then you know i believe in the future someone really smart opening up a fucking globo gym will utilize better pieces of equipment like a road i don't know if you ever how familiar you are with concept two products yeah they'll, yeah, they'll, no, they'll never fucking break i've i mean i've had a fleet of them for over 10 years i can't think of one even one thing we've had to replace besides batteries and i think of your product very similarly like could you're right could this as you guys create different adaptations for it and mounting ver- you know, varieties. And, and like, once there's a few proof of concepts of a couple big box facilities using it or whatever it is, I, I truly think that there are gonna be smarter, younger operators and franchisee directors and people in these big fitness companies that are gonna look at and say like, 
yeah, we probably don't need to spend $310,000 on cable crossover machines for this 40,000 square foot facility. You know, so I think it's super cool. I was even looking at some of the attachments, like the door attachment, like you guys are poised. Like I said, I think you're going to do great at the at-home market. I hope that anyone listening to this, any of my audience, who's really trying to differentiate themselves in the type of workout tools definitely help. I, I'm not, are you familiar with the torpedo? No, the to- I, I don't think I am. I'm going to send you a video. So the torpedo was a Kickstarter. My friends, they own Alchemy 365, which is a very successful okay. boutique gym in Minneapolis and Denver. And they created this. It's imagine if a kettlebell fucked the dumbbell, right? So I did this promo video for them for the, to explain, you know, to the world what the fucking torpedo was. And I uh, just said, shot, shot it over to them. And um, it, it's, it's done really well. It's been a fun, it was a fun video to make. And it was, uh, but it was amazing how many people are like, oh my God, I've never heard of this thing. And it's their signature piece of equipment in their gym. They don't have dumbbells and kettlebells. Uh, gotcha. I'm they, looking they, at it right now. I just pulled it up. Yeah. So that's it. And I'll, I'll shoot okay, you over sweet. an email. I'm going to send you an email, that video. Um, I think you'll get a kick out of it, but it's dude, it, it, it's one of these things that like, that's what a lot of gyms that are not even alchemies or whatever. They're like, Hey, they're always looking for an equipment differentiator. Now equipment's difficult. Cause then your competitor can copy it in a heartbeat. But if you build the training methodology around the equipment, that is different as well. That's the fucking, in my opinion, that's how you insulate yourself from copycats. It's one thing just to buy a piece of equipment. You have to embody a training methodology that actually utilizes the equipment. And it's like your main thing. Um, and I, I'm just hoping anyone listening to this has been really looking for a differentiator in their model. They've got barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells. They got a pull-up rig, all that. You know, I, I really think getting into diagonal planes and pulleys and bringing back a little bit of the globo gym, isolation, bodybuilding, Arnold-esque stuff but in a smarter fashion, very similar, like Marcus Philly with functional bodybuilding's done. He's, you know, he's completely reignited isolation-based movements. Um, yeah, Isaac, I'm, I'm really, I, th- I think this thing's great. I really, I appreciate you shooting me, uh, you know, sending me one over to, to, to mess around with. And I think it's a great fucking product, man. And, and anyone listening, please do some research. Cause I know so many of you guys are looking for differentiators in your spot. And I, this potentially could be something that could help some of you guys create a new identity in the fitness space and a unique belief in fitness. Um, if they want to get in contact with you, they got questions about it. Like where's the best place for them to learn about the product? You know, obviously there's the website for anyone that's there, anchortraining.com, but where, where, who should they reach out to? What else can they do? Yeah. So, you know, the website's, Definitely our, our, our biggest resource of, of education about the product. Um, otherwise, even our, our biggest channel would be Instagram, and it would be the, the same handle domain as our website. So anchor, A-N-C-O-R-E training. Um, that's all of our, any of our social media handles. Instagram definitely has um, the most content on there. And you'll see a lot of those, those user videos from athletes of, of all kinds using the product. Um, other than that, if, you know, if they have any questions at all, we have our, our hello email, hello at anchortraining.com. But otherwise, if you want to get in touch with me directly, and, and I, you know, certainly um, always, you know, welcome it to, to meet and, and learn about new people who certainly, you know, we can help and elevate their experience. My email is, is Isaac, I-S-A-A-C dot Lewis at anchortraining.com. And if anyone wants to reach out, you know, we certainly are incredibly responsive as, as our team on the customer service side. So that's something that we really, you know, made a, a stand early on that, Hey, you know, our ethos is just, you know, we're going to make things right. So if people reach out to us. You know, I mean, if we get your email, we are definitely getting back to you. That's for sure. Awesome. 
Awesome. Isaac, my man, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, thank you for letting me test out your product. Uh, I'm excited to see more guys like you in the space who are just thinking a little bit differently with operational capacity in mind. And, and, and just again, thinking outside the box versus the traditional, I mean, it just, to me, fitness equipment has not evolved at all in the past, you know, 40 years, 30 years. So um, it's refreshing to see companies like Anchor uh, doing some cool shit. So man, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. It, it was great. And it was a pleasure to, to be on and, and thanks so much for having me. And yeah, we're hoping to, to, you know, cut through a lot of that inertia where, where things have been going and, and create something new and, and incredibly valuable. So Stu, thanks again. It, it was a pleasure to be on. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, brother.